Well, here we are again, back at the Conflab with Nate Cartledge, which is me. Hey, I'm so humbled and stoked to have you in this space with me today. Let's tap on in. All right, before we get started, we just want to thank our great friends at Studio 6 Burley on the Gold Coast. They are such a great support to me and the Conflab helping us get this out to you all the time. So if you're a content creator, if you have a a long-term podcast or you're looking to start a podcast or you need a studio for anything, reach out to them at Studio 6 at Burley on the Gold Coast. They are amazing. Thanks again, guys. All right, today uh, we have a a very special guest, uh, a a young man. I'm going to call him a young man. He's got a little bit of grey in his ginger beard. Uh, I don't know if I'm more offended about the ginger beard or the... <laughs> <laughs> no offence, man, mate. Um, I met him in the uh, ice bars at P3 and we, we formed a, a bit of a conversation and a bit of a friendship and um, he's tied very closely to P3. In fact, he is uh, P3 Global CMO, if I, if I understand that correctly. And we'll get into that a little more, but welcome, James. Good to have you here, mate, in the Conflab. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm going to dig into a few things about your life and and you have your own podcast and that was the reason we started talking about things and your podcast is called? Um, Accidental Fatherhood. Accidental Fatherhood and that is the reason why we want him here. James has had a, a an incredible journey with his daughter so far and he's had to travel through some really hard times. So he decided he would document it by putting out a podcast to help others, which is an incredible way of doing things. And I also think it's probably quite cathartic and mm-hmm. have helped you uh, grow in your space. Incredibly, yeah. 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 Awesome. So James, along with his brother, runs a marketing agency. Uh, yeah, we run a brand, a creative agency called Embark Agency. Embark so Agency. Do, uh, I'm a brand strategist by by trade, um, graphic designer before that, and it's a 20-year-old business, and yeah, we still, I still love doing. That's a big part of my life. Yeah, yeah and it's flying along nicely. Flying along nicely, and yeah, which kind of uh, this P3 uh, um, opportunity is something quite new, which is slowly becoming a bigger part of my life too. Yeah, and like I said, you're the CMO there of people. What does that entail? With P3 Global, that is P3 Global. It entails any anything. I'm overseeing all marketing, so as part of that. We're kind of using our agency for any graphic design. We're organizing digital marketing experts to run um, digital marketing campaigns. We're, uh, my job is to uh, make sure that when we open a new franchise that they're supported through all their marketing um, to help sales and build memberships. So um, what that looks like for me would be making sure the web, all of their digital presence is um, looking great uh, and they have a digital presence, but also keeping every franchise that opens, keeping them that consistency and that coherence in the market, making sure that they're putting out the same message, which we support them with everything to do with that. So it's um it's a huge job. Yeah. Um, and a lot of what I do is kind of that higher level um, management of that yeah. um, with my expertise of 20 years in the business. But we also uh, rebranded P3 as well when we took over to um, create the space that we've created today. What was it before? Um, it's always well. It was P three reco- sports and recovery, um, and the reason Paul, uh, who's one of the, f- the founders, was the reason he he asked us to jump on board was he wanted to create a like he used he used P three and the ice bars to help him through a very stressful time in his life. Yeah, and he he's a businessman himself, and he's like, I I, I don't know if I could have done it if I if I could have done it without 
um, P- P3 at the time. He couldn't have come through it emotionally. Yeah, he, it, he, yeah. Said, he just said it really supported him. You know, he, he did do it. He's, you know, he was a sports person as well, but mainly through the, just that mental resilience of yeah. the stress that he was under through just day-to-day um, life that we all kind of struggle with. And, um, yeah, he's like, I want to bring this to – this can help everyone, mm-hmm. not just athletes. Yeah. So – and I believe – uh, with all the, it's going, it's getting quite mainstream now with the ice baths and your um, infrared saunas and the hy- even the hyperbaric chamber, all of that stuff is now being used by everyday people to enhance their lives. Whether it's been, you know, living, you know, our taglines live, live better, be better, but it's just to to live better lives and have more longevity and be pain, little pain management. Or yeah. I know as I'm getting older, I know you called me a young man. I'm 43 these days, so I always compliment. That's a nice compliment. Uh, but, yeah, even I, I, I'm quite active. I do kung fu and do a, a few other things like gym. And uh, I like to, uh, to you know, get in there and help with any inflammation that's in my body. And, yeah, I find it a very great tool to help um, be more comfortable and, and yeah, just in general well-being. So it's now P3 recovery rather than P3 sports recovery. Yeah. So which is, yeah, and I, I I guess I joined them maybe two years ago and I've been doing it ever since. And I'm not a sportsman by any stretch of the imagination. I used to call myself an elite athlete when I was training for Kokoda, but that was about it. Mm. <laughs> um, but that's self-diagnosed, that is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, and I'd have to say the same. I say I think that. You know, I was I was first given a challenge to get in the ice bath. Okay, you know, it was part of a habit stack that we were creating in our mastermind group, mm-hmm. and I am addicted to it. Like it's it's not just the feeling afterwards, but I think it's the mental state for me. I think I've had to have a couple of weeks out. I I, I got some more tattooing done, and I had an accident on the scooter, and so it's kept, it kept me out for three weeks. And I noticed how much of my mindset slipped, my mental state. And, I, you know, I don't just – I wouldn't just put the responsibility just on P3. I've got a whole host of things that I do to keep myself well and my mindset well. But, yeah, P3 has been – you know, and I, no, I notice it, it has been a lot about sports recovery and and especially would have been used well over, over this last weekend when the Gold Coast Marathon was on. But for me it's been um, more about mindset mm-hmm. and. I'll take those extra couple of minutes in the ice just to to go take that flesh. Uh, you ain't winning today, and if I can do this, then I can do anything. Mm. You know, so it's been fantastic. You also are creative. You're uh, very creative and a curious human, mm-hmm. and I want to dig into some of that stuff about being curious because it's one of your values as well. It says forever learning is one of your values. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's just the earmark of a curious person. Mm-hmm. And you had a mo, or you had a a spiritual awakening, or something spiritually happened to you. Plant medicine, uh, moments in Peru, Peru, going through a process. Can you give us a like? Firstly, what led you there? Why? Why? Why did you have to go? And what was the catalyst that actually put you on that journey? It's a pretty big conversation, this one. Um, I don't think it's for everyone, plant medicines. And when I talk about plant medicines, it would be things like ayahuasca, psilocybin, which is your mushrooms, or um, you know, DMT, which is, all, which is what ayahuasca is, but you can kind of smoke it. And I did another one called um, Suppo, 
which is a 5-MeO-DMT, which uh, you can hear Joe Rogan talks to people that have been on that journey as well. What got me into it? Um, a lot of people go down this path because of tra- trauma in their lives and they're, or depression or they're, they're struggling with something and they're like, oh, I need something to help me through this. Yeah. Uh, mine was more definitely curious as to what's next, probably more than anything. Like, what, what, like just asking that question, why are we here? What, what is this? It's like, and I think we all ask that question. Well, I don't know if we all ask that question, but I was very curious as like, why am I here? Like, what do, why, why do I exist and what is this? Place we're living in and um i've always you know when in my youth i experimented with some lsd and some other um, psychedelics where it takes you to another kind of i don't know like a a different existence i guess or a different um, experience that is hard to understand how that fits into this reality as well like it's like this is it like a different reality? Is it? Uh, yeah. Have you had any experience? No. Okay. No. So, for those out there who have it, and even if I did, I'd rather you explain it. Yeah, I, it's very, very difficult to explain. It's it's another where where I went to on um, in I, with ayahuasca or the DMT. It you go to another um, another ex- experience that's not phys- a physical experience. So I I call it. It's almost like you're um it's pure consciousness and you're it's a different you know when you're there you see divine geometry and it's like you can't explain what it's like because it's not physical and it's it's not from here so is it exposing parts of the conscious or the subconscious that we can't tap into naturally Yes. So it opens. Is that what it is? Yeah. So it's like when you hear about people saying, "Oh, your third eye opens," and, yeah, you, and you see, yeah. like, so you even if your eyes are open or closed, it doesn't matter. You you are seeing and experiencing another world. Right. Um, call it another dimension. Call it. Um, I don't. It's so it's so hard to explain. And I know, when I try and explain it to people, I'm like, "Oh, this guy's a bit crazy." No, you're doing well. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it, it opens up another another field of experience that's beyond our five senses, yeah. six senses, whatever. And when you're there, it feels very. It feel where I went. It felt like there was just love and belonging, and it felt like I'd been there before. Oh. It felt like a remembering this place. It was like a. It felt very, very, very familiar. And how, like we've we hear hear words such as nirvana or. Mm. Um, enlightenment enlightenment and, or heaven yeah uh, would you is that what it's like is yeah. it like a perfect utopia perfect utopia <laughs> i don't want to put words in your no, mouth no 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 i'm because this, this is a, i'm quite curious about this yeah. we've had a few people we had scott scotty mcintosh just recently and he's in the same mm. place with it like and for me it was a journey i, I did I was with shamans for ten days in Peru. I did ayahuasca every second day there. So a shama is a, shamans is a guide, a spiritual guide. Yeah, and uh, they've been doing it for you know thousands of years. Right. So it's like a family kind of um, yeah. tradition that they pass on to their children, and they carry on the this mantle of being a shaman. So um, I went to the same sanctuary as um, Aubrey Marcus went to, which was a Spirit Quest sanctuary. Uh, no, they can't. Yeah, Bobby Marcus. He started a supplement brand with Joe Rogan mm. uh, on 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 it on it. Yeah, on it. I think yeah. it is. Yeah, 
So he um he talked about it many years ago, and I'm like, oh, you know, because when you're looking at going to South America and finding somewhere to do this, because you hear some really confronting stories yeah. from people losing their mind, yeah, and from people dying, yeah. and because like you said, it's it's not for everybody. It's not for everyone, and I. It, for me, it was a calling. And How did you know it was for you? I, it, it, I, it was calling me. Right. It's weird. It's weird. It's like That's, it's not. It was beyond desire. It was something was calling me to do it. You know, it's really hard to explain. So it was like uh, maybe like an unconscious wrestling. Mm. Is that, yeah. Is, would that be a good way? Of, like or a pull. It was like this a pull. pull. Yeah. And it's like I, I, I don't think I would have been content in life unless I'd, like, you know, quenched that thirst. Quenched that thirst. Yeah. And it was. It was something that was very like deep within me that happened. But my my twin brother had a an experience on LSD, and he went. He had what they call a death of ego experience, where when you get into this spiritual space, it's all about surrender. So, well, I would understand that being losing control of oneself, because well, that's what a lot of these mm-hmm. um, plant medicines do, is you lose complete control of yourself. But how to make it work? properly for you would be the difference between resistance and assistance. Correct. Yeah. So if you're resisting as you're going in, you're going to have a bad experience. Correct. But if you can just let go. Yeah. Let that's go. What, is that, is that, have I got that right? Yeah. 100% right. And okay. the more you let go, the deeper you go, the more surrender uh-huh. you go. And that takes, it was a, for me, I'd, I've done Vipassana meditation courses. I've, I've done a lot of the, this physical world stuff as well, like through meditation, yoga, all of those things. So, I, and I've read up about um, like one of my like favorite mentors would be Ram Dass. He's um he's a very famous guy who died a couple of years ago, uh, but he brought psychedelics to the well, and to the West. Um, well, not the West. Sorry, he brought um, I think it was yoga to the West a little bit. But he brought he he became like this um yeah very spiritual leader, um, a very wise man, and uh yeah he brought a lot of that teaching from. Um, this guy, they called him Maharaji. Okay, yeah, yeah. And that was his teacher and he was a divine being. Yeah. So he was like a gateway to the divine and, yeah, and he experiment, experimented with LSD and he found this place. He's like, oh, the experience, like he was a psychologist his whole life and he's like, I experienced this thing on LSD and I, I learned more in one night than I have my whole career um, in teaching um, psychology. So he wanted to learn more about what was happening so he went to India and then he found Maharaji and he studied under him. And he then brought those teachings back and then tried to kind of integrate that knowledge. But yeah, it is all about surrender. It's um there's a lot our ego is is our, you know, James Coulson would be my ego. And what I experienced was actually surrendering that completely away so that you are you are basically interacting with the universe as pure consciousness rather than like I don't exist anymore. So it was kind of a a breakaway and a surrender of everything physical. Yeah. Um, and then kind of elevated through to those other planes. And my brother had that this experience. He woke up in a Byron Bay police station. <laughs> One um ball what was okay. it? Yeah. Oh, it's that's a story in itself as well. If you want to read there's a, we've got a podcast all about this right. about Phil's experience. Okay. Uh and he yeah, he woke up in a police station and um he was never the same again. And being his twin brother, I I I didn't understand what had shifted for him, and he would speak of this divine. He'd go like, "I, I saw the light," and he was talking. He was talking like, "I'm like, you were just tripping, man, on LSD." And he goes, "It was not 
it was not I was not just tripping I know what that is and I went I went somewhere and I'm like okay but he had a death of ego experience um he was from that experience he was definitely changed a lot um he was still the same person but he was he had this open heart like okay. he he was a very selfless love and compassionate guy and he 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 you know we were in our 30s kind of partying a little bit we used to DJ and he went from being a little bit self like not a fully selfish guy, but he, I, his whole attitude towards life completely shifted in one episode, in one experience. Wow! Uh, for the better, he was just—he um, turned into a really beautiful person, and he would talk about these experiences he had. And I, because he's my twin brother, and I—we're very, very close. And you're you're identical twins too. Right? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, we—he's got longer hair. He does have longer hair and alley. a big sleeve tattoo. But he—he he would talk about these experiences, and I'm like, I don't understand my brother anymore. Yeah, right. And I couldn't understand the depth of our connection it was not there anymore. And I, the reason I went down this path was to to be closer to my brother. Oh wow! And and try and understand what he experienced, and that kind of was my motivation and pull to um go down the psychedelic path and the shamans and all that because I wanted to have the same experience as my brother, so I could understand and talk to him and connect with him on that level again wow. because I felt like our connection wasn't there anymore or wasn't it wasn't balanced or there was something with that. So that was, that's, that's kind beautiful, of, that's beautiful kind of, reason to do yeah. it. And did, did you, your experience is obviously different than his mm. though, and your consciousness is different than his because everyone is. Correct. I hear a lot, like I know a lot of people who have, who have done a lot of LSD that aren't great. <laughs> so every, here's the thing. And, then I, and mushroom. I'm, and yeah. I would say mushrooms as well. So I would say we are all on our own journeys through that spiritual and whether it's, you know, whether you believe in past lives or not, but we're all at, at points in our experience and I feel like not everyone is there yet, maybe in, maybe next lifetime or the lifetime after. And um, I did a lot of work pre-doing my plant medicines to actually try and uh, understand the process and, you know, educate myself and try and understand what it was I was looking for and I had those intentions and, yeah, I don't think everyone can get there. And when you talk about nirvana and um, enlightenment, um, when you have these death of ego experiences, that is what it's likened to. It's likened to um, I experienced just infinite love, like beyond anything you can possibly imagine. Like e- external or internal? Um, it's a paradox. So it, I would say it's internal and external mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's infinite. And the hardest thing for me when I when I experienced this was coming when i had this death of ego experience it was like my ego just got shattered into a million pieces and i had to relearn how to become um like human again in this human experience it was it was the most bizarre thing i've never been depressed in my life i've never had any problems mentally anything and i came out out of this experience and it rocked me like i i there was a there was one point where i was i was struggling to distinguish reality after this experience okay so the veil between here and the and that and that other realm that I experienced was very thin, and I struggled for a good twelve months to integrate what I'd learned and learn how to, um, yeah, operate as human. Like the the fact that we're infinite, and I mean, I can say that we live forever, and you can go, oh, yeah, I I know what that means, but I experienced it, and it was extremely overwhelming. Well, I no, I don't know what that means, <laughs> uh, and I'm very curious. Yeah, like, like I am, and like I've I've my own faith, my own belief where I stand, mm. 
with things and I, I have this I have this uh, consciousness about my belief that laid like I heard this great statement recently on the podcast that the truth is not afraid of questions. Mm-hmm. It's the, the truth. Whatever the truth is, it shouldn't be afraid of questions. It shouldn't be afraid of curiosity. And so that's how I see it. I say, okay, I have a truth and I'm not afraid of it being questioned mm-hmm. or becoming curious about it. And so when I hear stuff like what you've been through, it only confirms and deepens my desire for my truth. Mm. And so that's how I deal with it. And I see a lot of people would be resistant to this sort of stuff that you're talking about, and we shouldn't be. We should be, okay, well, is there something in that that I can take from that and learn more about mm. my existence or my death of ego? Or, yeah. But that's really interesting to me, the fact that you struggled for 12 months. And I would say from my experience, and I don't know if this is correct, but it'd be a communication thing. You've been touched by something so powerful, and how do you articulate that and how do you put that into human form? Like mm. trying to explain divinity with words. Impossible. Yeah. So I, we, we yeah. have these words like majestic or magnificent and like holy and these oh, words. Divine. That divine. And yeah. these words that they don't explain. So you was touched with something so powerful and you can't, you couldn't explain it for nearly 12 months. No. And I, and I, I know what I experienced was oneness as well. Like exp- oneness. I, I experienced this being the center of all creation all at once, yeah. no time nor, nor space. And I went in with the question, like, why? Why is this? Why do we exist? And the only thing I got back was that there is no question because there's no answer. Like it is a complete paradox in that. In that, And then I saw cr- things existing and not existing and I'm like, far out. It was, yeah. It was, and, it, and we still put, try to put words around it. We, we still do try and put words around it. So to help explain for anyone that wouldn't understand, we have to actually wrap a word around that, whether mm. that's divinity, whether that's God, but there is, or whether that's yeah. u- utopia, yeah. <laughs> whatever that is, we still try and put this form around it, which is so delinquent mm-hmm. when it comes to explaining what that really is. But there is no space or time that's outside of space and time and matter. Yeah. And so, well, great to have that. Yeah. understanding and i'm proud of you that you uh as a human came back as a human yeah <laughs> and we're sitting here oh you're explaining to me the, some incredible experience yeah and i'm like a very logical person in real life like i'm very practical well, you're a business owner yeah like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's quite hard the to, bills got to add up you yeah know? Like, oh, hang on <laughs> and it was very it's very hard to explain to people and i wouldn't tell this to a lot of people i think it's becoming a lot more mainstream now um, and but the best way I can explain to people when I came back out of this experience was it was trying to hold the universe into a in a little cup. I feel like I had all uh, you know I'd been exposed to all of this stuff and I was trying to in this little container and I was struggling to to you know just hold on to that. Um, so it was it was very difficult. Was, and I also say that they go, "Well, was it worth it?" I'm like, you know what? It was the best and worst experience of my life. Yeah. How's it changed you now? Like, how do you function? With that, do you do you still run? Have that run through you? That, but how do you? What has it done for you now? I mean, you said death of ego. Well, mm-hmm. no, that was your brother actually. But and and myself, and I had that. Um, this was on the suppo that, that this happened. The toad medicine. Um, that's where they burn that into you. Um, there's two. No, that's cambo. So there's cambo, cambo, which is where they burn it on, and then the suppo is what you actually smoke. And um, I did the smoking one, and that was ugh, that was next level. Um, they say. Uh, 
ayahuasca or DMT when you that's all third eye. Yep. So that's like your, your um th- this chakra here and the um the five meo DMT they say it's your crown chakra. So um you experience less visuals, but you're experiencing you know that kind of God experience or the um yeah. So I experienced that. Um, what is it? How has it changed my life? I now, and I think as well as doing practical things like meditation and um, I don't, ha- it's like I am very, very content and I know I don't know what's next. Oh. Right? I, I know there is a next, but I, don't, but I don't know how, what form that takes. I don't know what that will look like. So no fear of tomorrow. No fear of tomorrow, no fear of death. I'm very content and I don't have any questions. I'm, like I'm very satisfied with what I've seen and I that's all I need to know that um, there is something else after here. Um, what that exactly is, who knows? Um, and my general, my general, um, because I went through all of that very hard work of surrendering to experiences, I'm a very calm person. Mm-hmm. So I do not lose my temper very much at all. Like very, like it would take a lot to get me angry. I'm a very compassionate person, so I always will, you know, especially if someone's rude to me in any way, I'm like, well, what are they going through right now? And I'm, I don't get triggered. I don't get um, triggered by people as much as I ever did. I'm just very equanimous to my experience. Yeah. So desire, like this is a personal yeah. training is like that yeah. desire. You desire things like yeah. that, um, which is kind of, it's a big problem with um, humans is their desire for things um, and, you know, being scared or aversion in Vipassana meditation, they talk about um, being able to control desire and aversion and you can live a more equanimous life and um, be more content with life. So I would say my life is a lot more content. and I don't need things to be happy. I've found happiness within. I think that's probably the biggest thing I can take away. You can't control your experience around you, but you can control your reaction to things. And mm. I feel like I've been close to mastering my um, reaction to the external. So I'm I'm at peace within. And I think that's that helps me navigate a lot of the, the hard times. And I'm not saying I don't navigate hard times because we can go into that if you like. We are going to. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the last 15 months has been extremely challenging for me. Uh, and I, I'm not sure how... That would have turned out if I hadn't have done the work. How how has that journey uh, changed your business? Changed my business? Well, or has it? Um, well, our I think it's attracted the t- my beautiful team that, that work with me. I think it's att- attracted the opportunity here with P three. Um, our our purpose is to help is to transform the world, um, to positively transform the world one brand at a time. Mm-hmm. And that's my purpose. So I. I feel like I'm. I care a lot more about the world and the people, and I just, um, from even from a value proposition from our, our business, that's you know we just want to do good things for good people, and it's not about the money. And I know money doesn't make you happy. And for me, giving and helping other people more, um, that lights me up more than than money. Yeah, very very wise uh, man. Alex Hormozzi said that money can only solve money problems. Mm. And we we get stuck, we wrap all of our problems around money. I mean, it's it's good to be able to 
have the sort of money that you need to be able to solve other people's problems. And I don't see a lot of, enough of that in the world, especially when we talk about the poverty in places like India, you know, mm. with uh, 30 million orphans, which is greater than the population of Australia. And only, I think it's, uh, look, get me wrong, the 0.2% of them are orphaned through their, both their parents dying. No way. The rest of them are just discarded. Wow. And so when we see people sitting on a throne of billions of dollars that mm. can actually don't, don't – it's not a matter of just giving the money. It's a matter of setting up proper frameworks and building the correct things in society that stop that stuff. Mm. And we talk about – like there's a, there's a, a new movie just coming out that um, Mel Gibson's endorsing called Sound of Freedom. I saw, I saw the advertisement for that yesterday with Mel Gibson because he's all about the child traf- uh, trafficking, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's about to take over as the biggest illegal money-making scheme in the world, bigger than drugs and bigger than wow. other things, it, child trafficking. And so, yeah, money can solve – money only solves money's problems, but it, it, it just knowing that like, – and that's what you're talking about is like death to self. So I look at it this way. So I, I have a different view on it, James. So I look at it this way. You said releasing desire. Mm-hmm. So I think that desire, there's two different ways that we desire. There's one in our head, in our mind, and that's where the ego sits. And it's like, I want this, I want that, I compare myself to everything, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And those constant battles of 70,000 thoughts a day are going, but a lot of them are desire and, we, you know, I, you know, I need this, it's scrolling, or she's got that, or he's got that. And it's, it's desire, 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 greed, uh, all that stuff. And there's no compassion in that, right? Mm-hmm. But then I think that we have an implanted desire in our heart and that's, well, it's called righteousness, and it's it's in our heart. And right is just rightness, mm-hmm. and that's uh, it's broken down into this beautiful word. And I'm not going to get into that right now, but the word basically means to look after the poor. The basic means to be drawn to opening a door of helping those in need that are in uh, marginalised or underprivileged compared to where you are, mm-hmm. and that's so that desire is in our heart. So. What you, what I'd say you've experienced is the removal of the ego here, mm-hmm. and there's a d- deeper desire that's in your heart to actually care about people. When I look at your values, they're phenomenal, like contribution, uh, integrity, compassion, and empathy, and forever learning, and forever learning. Curious about other humans is is just such a beautiful trait. So that's how I view that. I think that we all need to die to what's going on in our mind. And that happens through the shaping of our societies, our shaping of our ourselves as we grow and all of that stuff. And we just we're looking for ways of killing that. Mm. And I th- yeah, and I think people look for ex- they think, you know, this next car is gonna make them happy. I think there's a That's there's right. an external desire to I think we all just wanna be happy. Yeah. And I think we're looking in the wrong places and the value system of the world's just fucked. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> fucked here. Yeah. Absolutely is terrible. And that's the, the study that's been done around generosity and what it, it does for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's selfish, but it's not at the same time. Because if you actually answer that desire, like, hey, hey, you know what? I'm going to go and be kind today to someone. I'm going to I'm going to give in a place. Like, I'm going to answer that desire and just go and be kind. Like, And I get that energy from you straight up. Like, that's the sort of person you are. Mm-hmm. And the, but the the release of the dopamine, the release mm-hmm. of other things that happen in our life, the, you said before you're 
you're, it's almost like these things were attracted to you, like mm-hmm. P3 opportunity and the people in your business and stuff. And I just think that's just, that's that thing, that, that mechanism that when we answer, when we, when we can remove ourselves from the mind stuff and we get ourselves into this heart stuff, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden that switches and the right things line up in our life. It's like a complete alignment mm-hmm. with where we're supposed to be. Yeah, and, our, our, yeah, and, and that is our, our mind. This, this is why I believe really heavily in uh, meditating and trying to, you know, you can't control the mind, but you can kind of get used to, you know, Getting having some peace there, having some peace, having some peace of mind. And I think that's, um, you know, being happy and having peace of mind is such a great place to be if you can find it. And then to quote a good friend of both of ours, Geordie Chenery, is just get back to nature. Mm. I find that when I can get out there, the mind doesn't have as much work to do, mm-hmm. so it just sort of relaxes a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. Being present, mate. Awesome banter. That's really good conversation. <laughs> yep. And I was not expecting our conversation to, to do that, but it's been beautiful. I really enjoyed it. So about 18 months ago, you did, you've did. you said that. You've had one of the hardest journeys, but life threw you a, a beautiful little unexpected blessing. Mm. Um, you met a girl. I did. And you two created a beautiful little human together. We did. <laughs> And that sounds so it sounds so great when you say it like I, that. I know. <laughs> and in the short, that's really what happened. Yeah. But we all know that. I call them the, the vicissitudes of life, which basically means the ebbs and flows. Mm. <laughs> so, the the vicissitudes happened. Yeah. Um. And now you've got a beautiful little girl. Mm-hmm. But. But. Yeah. Let's go. Well, let's go there. So is it, this is the premise you you started the podcast with. Yeah, and well, it was, and the reason I started this podcast is because I was struggling with trying to understand my situation and what to do. And I'm sure, and I'm sure, there's thousands and thousands of men that have been in this situation where they haven't known this person for very long, and all of a sudden she's pregnant and you know knocked up. There's a movie about it. It's pretty funny. It is, and there's, there's a few there's a few series of movies that we I've been watching, kind of trying to help me as well. But yeah, I'm, I was. But there's almost there's almost a pure psychology behind the framework of those movies too, isn't there? Mm, yeah, and I, I was trying to work my for the last three to four years. I was really trying to work myself out, and I'm a bit of a perfectionist and people pleaser, so I had to be work. I was working on that stuff, but I was looking for the one, you know, the this perfect girl, and um, you know, they don't exist. And I think I was, I, I, I feel like the universe gave me a good kick up the bum because, <laughs> um, you know, when I, when I met Alex, we, I feel like we hit it off and I was looking for someone uh, that I could have a bit more connection with because I'm not a superficial person. I, I needed a deeper connection and I felt like I had it with her. She lived in Nora Point, which is about half an hour away from me, and we managed to make it work for three months. And then she came around one day and sat on the couch and then mid-conversation just goes, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> and um, I was like, how did this happen? And she's like, well, because we, you know, <laughs> I know I know how it happened. Like <laughs> practically, logically. Yeah. So we, and we did the, um, and I suggest anyone's uh, partner who suggests um, just using the, the moon method um or the moon cycles because we trusted the moon cycles so what we were doing was and i I want everyone to know what we were doing because this is how we slipped up here and i'm a very responsible and i i'm just just it's like 
I don't know how this happened to me because I'm such a <laughs> I'm such a warrior. I control things so much. Um, everything can order. Everything, yeah, everything's in order. Everything's like I got to plan it. I'm running a business. I'm very a very planned person. Yeah. Um, but she said, "Oh, look, you don't need to wear a condom around. You know, we need to wear a condom around this time, but we can be a little bit more relaxed around this time." And I'm like, "Okay." So I trusted her with that, um, and then yeah, went to another and um, yeah. Well, I God, I don't even didn't even have sex that much like it was three months we only saw each other like twice a week for maybe three months could have been a little bit less i was like uh my first my first um i was extremely surprised um and even when she said you don't need to wear a condom my mind went to what if what if what if what if what if and i thought what's the worst thing that can happen here i might have a baby with alex and i don't think that'll be such a bad thing so i'd already made um, I'd already made that up in my mind that having a baby with Alex wouldn't be a bad thing, but we just started meeting. We just met, you know, when you first meet someone and you have your masks on of like who you want to be portrayed at before you actually understand really who they are, which comes much later. Um, so we fast tracked that. Um, she got pregnant, and then I immediately went into, you know what? Um, I'm 40, I was 42 at the time. I'm like, Alex, I am all in. I'm here for this baby. I'm here to support you. Um, um, let's do it. It's a good time in my life. Um, she was 37. I'm like, it's a, she was like, I don't, I, I feel like I shouldn't um, terminate because I'm 37 and I don't know, you know, I'm getting older. And we're like, fine, cool, awesome. And then um, a week later, and then I was processing. I was still very shocked by it. Um, I didn't know Alex that well. And um, she, she was like, um, you know, she was obviously shocked as well. But her expectations of me from that, from her telling me that day that you're going to be my child's father, um, went very. I felt, I feel like we're very like exceptionally high well, of me. Right. Um. So apparently, I didn't reach out enough. I didn't. Um, that that week when I was processing it all, however, it's no different ha- to how I was acting pre-pregnancy. I was still that's just I I feel like I was just being myself. This is how I communicate. I'm not a caller, I message things like that. Um, but apparently, I didn't reach out enough. And she she came up the next week and she basically said to me, and she'll probably hate me saying this, but she goes, James, you don't meet my needs, and I don't think you ever will. Oh. Which is a horrible thing to say to someone yeah. who you've just told you're going to have their baby. That's devastating. So I was devastated. And um, how did you see it playing out? I don't know. Before I, that, before that, I felt like I I felt like Alex was potentially the right person. So I actually maybe I was delusional or whatever, but I thought Alex was um, we we were going to make a go of this. And then first trimester is a a lot for a female. And everyone handles it differently, but she had a lot of hormones going on. She became, I would say, almost depressed. Yeah. And she completely withdrew from me, like completely, like. She, so she still had her life going on down in. She did, but she'd, she'd only just moved up here from Sydney. So okay. she'd only been on the coast for like you know, six months or did so. Did she have any other support around her? No, not really. Just a few friends. And she was living in a shared house. Yeah, I'm just like, fuck, what do I do now? Like, I've got this girl who um, I thought something was going to happen to you and now she just tells me this. 
Um, is she going to go back to Sydney with my child? Um, I started really getting um, scared about, and di- I was, the best word I can describe is disempowered because I felt like I ne- I actually have no control at all over this situation. I didn't really have a control whether she was going to keep it or not. I didn't have any control over all, I, all. My only decision I could make was I'm going to be I'm going to be here. Yeah, and um, I struggled really really hard with that because. I want, you know, in my mind, I wanted this, get married, have kids, meet the right person, have this beautiful life together and support. And then she just withdrew from me. And I'm like, oh. Um, so for the next, oh, it was very, very challenging to, yeah, to have a relationship with someone who doesn't want to basically, who, who felt like she rejected me. So. Uh, Do you think those words, like, just let me think about this. Because words are so powerful that mm-hmm. people use. Mm-hmm. The words, you made a decision that I'm going to be mm-hmm. what you need. Mm-hmm. And so you made that decision. And obviously you were very surprised, especially the way it came out. Mm-hmm. There was no, we have got something to talk about and it's going to be a huge plane and difference in our life. I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, I'm pregnant now. We're pregnant. And, yeah. and, and how do we now navigate? navigate. Yes, situation together. Yeah, together, and this and this is how I thought it would play. It's like, yeah. hey, I'm we're pregnant now. Let's let's build a life together. Yeah, uh, but she completely withdrew from me. So I'm like, Whoa. so the the words that she spoke, um, you're not, you haven't been there for me, and I don't think you ever will. Well, yeah, you don't meet my needs. You don't meet my needs, yeah. and I don't think you ever will. Yeah, and I, and I like obviously, uh, I could feel for Alex in that situation. She's a completely isolated environment mm-hmm. so i only just met this beautiful human 100 percent, and fallen pregnant and you guys were watching the cycles everything didn't work obviously <laughs> or, or, she, or it did work but, or everything <laughs> did work well, well your plan didn't work yeah. but the plan worked yeah um what's your beautiful little girl's name her, her name's india india beautiful yeah so india's come along but those words had so much power over you mm. you don't meet my needs and you never I don't think you ever will. Yeah. Can you see them coming from a place? Oh, she was she was afraid. Yeah. She was scared. Are you okay with those words now? Um, I don't think she may have meant them at the time. Um, I still, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if she thinks I'm. It's it's interesting. It's just, am I am I okay with those words now? I I would have loved her to say something else other than that <laughs> but this is what she said so so do you believe that you are all your daughter needs yes 100% so, and, I, and I believe isn't that enough yeah that's enough and um Alex is a wonderful mum yeah and look we've we've been through some ups and downs but she's a wonderful person yeah. I have this isn't a no. um uh you know bashing Alex um no. chat at all it's I, a pretty natural thing to yeah. happen you know like oh my life's going this way and then it's going this way and yeah Trying to clamber back control. Correct. And I, and I think for her as well, she had a bit of um, childhood trauma start coming up. I th- uh, so that ca- that came into play as well of like abandonment. And um, yeah, so she, she had a lot going on for her. She didn't have the support around. Um, she didn't know me very well. And the, all this was playing out and I had no certainty. She she wouldn't provide any certainty with what is going to happen here. And um, yeah, it was, it was so <laughs> difficult. Meanwhile, I'm like, what can I do to... Like it was almost like when she said those words, like right, challenge accepted. You know what I mean? I'm I'm stepping up. Like yep. I am going to prove to her that I can um I can you know, support her needs and 
and be there. So I did everything I could through the pregnancy to support her. I invited her um, to live with me. Um, that would have been about probably about six months in. She came and lived with me and um, she's still living with me now. Um, we've decided to go down the co-parenting path. But oh, even, yeah, even working out uh, what that looks like, it's just been really, really tricky to, to work, to navigate through. Um, Important though. Yeah. And in 10 years' time or 14 years' time, when India is 14, mm. um, having two beautiful people in the world that co-parent will mean more to her than mm-hmm. than having two separate people in her world that yeah, correct. still care about each other but don't co-parent. Yeah. And, and look, so I really admire you for taking that going, this is going to be a hard journey, but we're going to co-parent. We're going to co-parent. And we, we did counselling as well. We went to, yeah. I think, three counselling sessions to try and figure out what was going on. And but I, I still say to Alex, on that day you said that, you gave up on us. And that's what it felt like. And um, I, I, I just, Can I help you change that language? Yeah, I, I can. Yeah, sure. On that day, Alex said that she gave up on her. On her. Yeah, not not you two. She obviously was from my perspective. I don't know, mm-hmm. but this is a this is the language like gave up on you two, gave up on her, gave up on her being able to function under a beautiful with a beautiful man in her world. I think her deservance was there to have someone so special as you, like. All that sort of stuff mm. is where the language needs to lay because it's not a, it shouldn't be an identifier. Yeah, no, I hear that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and that's how it kind of felt. And even with the counselling sessions, and you know, and then, and then we've gone through what has really, really helped. And I'll, this can be a little gripe of mine as well. I've talked to family lawyers to help us navigate this because, um, you know, I I've invited a a female or woman into my home. I had to get will and testament done. I had to do all these things to prepare for the family unit. Um, just having Alex in my place has just opened me up. And she laughs about this, but I'm like, I you are. It's almost considered a de facto relationship, and which means you're entitled to half my assets. So even the complexities of that situation, yeah, on top of everything else, on top of the navigating living in the same home and working with each other and getting to know each other while you're pregnant and everything else. We're like, we need to, we need to talk about what this looks like. If, you know, if you want to live with me, then I'm, I'm, I'm fear, like, you know, I'm worried that, you know, I don't want someone to come and, you know, take half my assets. And even though she said she'd never do it, it's like, it's a fear for me that yeah. she, that, that might happen. Um, and the other thing that was really helpful was we did a four-hour mediation with another, like a workshop with a lawyer, um, and she helped us plan out what the next year to two years um, looks like. And look, Alex is a wonderful person. We are on the same page pretty much about everything, which is great. She's got great values. Um, I just think the dynamic between us two just wasn't there for her okay, and didn't play out the way she would would imagined. Um you know, and I, you know, throughout that pregnancy, I reached out. I was, uh, you know, I tried to, I, mass- I was massaging her feet. I was doing, you know, like I was doing all the love language to try and win this girl over. And she just, it was not returned in any way. And, um, you know, I, she said the other day that I abandoned her. And I'm like, how, it, what, I, what I find really hard is when I have some, some really heavy conversations with Alex is how different our realities of the situation is. 
perspective, um, eh? different perspective of actually our perspectives of what happened. And she said, she mentioned like I abandoned. I'm like, how did I abandon you? you you're living in my home. Like I haven't, I, I have not moved. And there was some language used throughout the pregnancy. Is like I feel like a punching bag. Like I'm, I'm doing everything for this person. There's no appreciation. Like she doesn't care for me. Um, I really felt like a punching bag. And the only thing that really got it got me through there was thinking that oh, you know, once she has India, we'll, um, you know, she'll she will find she'll find me again. Like we'll, it's just the hormones. It's kind of what was going through my mind. And someone said to me, "Don't think of yourself as a punching bag. Think of yourself as a mountain, and these are waves crashing against you. It's much more empowering than." Um, that's beautiful and being a punching bag so yeah. even though that's what it felt like and i felt like um you know this was affecting my whole life yeah this um this doubt this uncertainty this um and giving everything that you have and it not being enough it felt really yeah really it was it was a little like really heartbreaking and and then little india was born and can before we get there yeah i just have something ticking off on saw me and like you would, you can identify with it straight away. But you use the word abandonment mm-hmm. from her perspective. She said that you, she abandoned you. And I just want to highlight this because this is a really helpful tool for everyone who's listening. Her statement about being abandoned when she was a child, or being ba- abandoned, her childhood traumas. Mm-hmm. Perspective is we we drag our traumas and how we view things into every relationship and every connection we have. You never abandoned her, but your perspective was different, and you'd had this amazing experience in Peru that had you got touched with pure love and pure divinity. So you knew what you were doing. It was coming from a different place. Mm -hmm. But Alex hadn't had that opportunity to transform yet, Mm. and she was dragging her childhood traumas. Which were colouring her experience. Which were colouring her experience. Yeah. And... Yeah, it wasn't a matter of you abandoning her. It's her was, and I don't, you know, like again, I don't know Alex, mm. but it would. It sounds to me like she was abandoning. She was just trying to control the environment yeah. to to feel secure. Yeah, to feel like no one's going to hurt me here. Yeah, and feel like she wanted safety. Yeah, and I thought that's what I was providing. And you were trying to give it to the best yeah. you could. Yeah, and like we, yeah, and then <laughs> we did go to a council, and she said, "Look, Alex, um, at the, we've got two pyramids, and at the base of every female's pyramid is they want to feel safe." And at the base of every man's pyramid, they just want to feel appreciated. Yeah. And if you can work on those two, everything else becomes easier. Yeah. And not once in this whole, even we even had a discussion yesterday. I'm like, I just, I just feel like I'm used and abused. I, I, I actually call, yeah, it's a horrible term, but calling me a, I, I said, I feel like a sperm donor. I was saying that. I'm like, <laughs> I just feel like a sperm donor, you know, like you, I just don't feel like you appreciate me at all. I don't think you appreciate anything I do. And I'm, I've, I've, I'm I'm here for you. I said I'm your biggest support in your life. I do like I'm here. Uh, yeah, it, it's 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 really heartbreaking because you want obviously you want what's best for your daughter. She wants what's best for our daughter, and I'm I love that little baby. I I didn't think you could love something so much. It is just to be a dad is is by far the best. Everything that I'm talking about today doesn't matter when I when I when I look into my little daughter's eyes and she smiles at me. Uh, everything else doesn't matter. She is it's. I had someone on my podcast say, um, "What was it? You know, what was it like having kids?" He said, "It's like it's probably isn't the same experience for everyone. But it's like it's like Christmas Day every day, and you get to um, experience this joy." And she is such a little ray of sunshine in my life. I I just love her so much. It's just this. So that happened when when obviously when Alex had when when she was born. Yeah. 
what what happened there? I was actually worried. Was that a similar experience to the whole? No, 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 not at all. No, this was (laughs) – no, it was a big night, that one. Uh, Funny thing is, though, and I've been saying this on my podcast, I didn't know if I was having a daughter or not, but when I had my um, Peru experience with shamans, I saw a daughter. Oh, wow. And um, there's – I'm the 13th of February – Twin brothers the thirteenth. I've got some best friends. My father-in-law's the thirteenth. Um, my brothers. Anyway, there's thirteenths all over, scattered through my family and my brother's family that he married into. And I said, India will be will be. A, uh, well, we picked a couple of names for a girl and a boy, and I'm like, it'll be India. She'll be born on the thirteenth of December. And lo and behold, it was twenty to twelve. She came out, and I, I've oh, got a, wow. I've actually got a video because I was. I actually DJ'd the um the pushing. <laughs> we did um, Kanye West and uh, yeah, we, it was her pal- playlist, not mine. But um, I was a DJ, and then we turned into the camera, and you can just see me in the back, like the background, because Alex pulled India out, and I was like, "It's a girl," and I just went, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like I was so like beside myself. I'm like, 13th of December. I wanted a girl. Was, and I was so after a girl. I wanted a girl so much. Yeah. And I kept saying in the podcast, oh, I really hope it's a girl, but if it's a boy, it's okay. I'm like, I'm, you know, I don't mind either way, but I really wanted a girl and um, I got exactly what I was, was um, wanting. And she, I, I think every man would worry, am I going to bond with this baby? Mm. Especially after everything I'd been through with Alex is like, am I going to bond with this baby? Like, is this, is she the source of all this pain that's happened in the last nine months? Am I like, is this going to happen? And when she came out, she looked like a mini Alex. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Am I going to bond with this baby? It's like she had dark hair and like she was quite dark skin. And I'm like, but as soon as I saw her, I'm like, oh, my yeah. God. I am so in love with this. You fell in love. Oh, my God. It is. There was absolutely no question. All, all that pain oh, just disappeared. Everything was worth it. She is just um, just amazing. And, you know, Working through the co-parenting and the the um the workshop we did was great to give us clarity and gave me certainty, which is what I why one of my biggest values is just knowing what's going on. Um, but even you know we had a massive chat yesterday about uh, living arrangements and you know w- with women they like to nest, so she's kind of telling me to get rid of all my furniture and stuff. I'm like, hey 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 hey, I've literally been in this apartment for a, a year and a half and all this is brand new furniture and like. It was expensive and I know you want a nursery here, but let me just figure this out. Like I can't just get rid of it. I'm like, so we're having a little bit of a challenging chat about that. Um, so They're yeah. the challenges of co-parenting, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But then you know, how, do, how does it look in the future for you, co-parent? How, uh, how, how, do you, how do you move on? Obviously, yourself and Alex have come to the conclusion that there's never going to be a romantic relationship. Or have, mm. Has that happened? No, it's, um, yeah, we haven't. There's no romance there now. Um, that was a decision made back in February this year at our last counselling session. Yeah. It, so it, how do you move on with life and it's relationships? Hard. It's and hard. Look, to be honest, we're still sleeping in the same bed. Really? Yeah. Um, we don't like we don't do anything. But she's you know I've got a small bed two bedroom apartment and there's a cot in one room and um, we're sharing a bed at the moment. Um, but we've got to slowly separate. I bought a king single bed to go in the room with the cot so Alex can sleep there for a while. But yeah, we and then we're gonna share apartment. But I yeah, I've just really had to put my life on hold to navigate this situation. And but I love seeing my daughter. I don't know what I'm gonna feel like not seeing my daughter every day. But moving forward, 
what it looks like is um, 50-50 custody. We'll go down that path and I'll, f- I'll figure it out. I, that beautiful love you, you talk about, like the first time, I've, I've experienced that four times and I'm so blessed to have been able to experience that each time one of my children were born and just fall completely head over heels. Mm. <laughs> Thinking that we had our son first and it was a very similar journey to what you had. We had... Um, miles before we were married and we'd only known each other for nine or so months and then Amanda got pregnant and, and that started the journey of where we go next. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we oh, we didn't know each other. Mm. Even when we got married, we didn't know each other. It, it took – we've been married now 31 years and it's like I can tell you it's been very, very difficult to get to know each other with that mm. pressure of being a parent at the same time. Well, Rather than just being together without, mm. and so um, what what you have surrendered to is is beautiful, mate. And mm. I can see it's like because you love her so much, you love this little girl so much. And I had that experience, but I tell you now, it's I've transcended into puppyhood, uh, and <laughs> we have a two year old grandson. Yeah, and uh, and like what I was going to say is you you've got one child, and you go, how can I how, how will I have the love for someone else? Mm. How will I how can I get more, but we have to understand that love's an expansive. Mm-hmm. It's an expansive spirit. It's an expansive thing. We can't control it. If we open ourselves up to, it, we'll have more. Yeah, you can never empty the love. Yeah, it's infinite. Like, no, it's infinite. Yeah, and so each child came along, and it, there it was. There was more. There was more. Yeah. There was more. And now, the poppy thing is just next level. Oh, it, it? it is next level. Like I've talked to my grand, my, my parents, and they're like, it is the best experience to be a grandparent. Yeah. Um, that is. Well, my brother's got a little. I've got. Well, I've got a nephew. He's nearly three next week. I think it is. And Phil just said it's like my heart's out of my chest and it's just running around. Yeah. I feel so vulnerable and like I love my little boy so much. Um, so much love for him and yeah. Like parent. Look, parenting's not easy, but I have. I I cherish the moments and I see how quickly she's growing. I'm like, mm. how old is she now? Seven, eight. So that's seven, seven months nearly, seven. and she's just getting that getting some character to her and she's just it's just yeah mm. it's so good i can't recommend it enough um you know someone also yeah. yeah maybe planned yeah maybe planned a bit better um but, but then you know hey there's no accidents when it comes to kids yeah. and same with relationships like you could be in the happiest like someone said to me nine months can kill a relationship <laughs> because um it you know so much happens in that nine months and then you, you've got you've now got a child that's between your relationship and you've got to grow with the child and yeah yeah it's it's you know even the happiest couples married couples will you know so many end up in divorce anyway so it's like you can't control things you, all you can do is work in that relationship and hopefully you know be with someone who chooses you through all of that yeah that's um, that's the big one yeah you, you nailed it there chooses you yeah and because that's you know i've I've done some a work around that, and it, it, a relationship is a choice, mm-hmm. a choice that you need to make every day. Like I'm, mm-hmm. it's not. Oh, oh, I love you. I'm falling in love with you. People get all t- tangled up on this emotion, love. You're experiencing an incredible agape with with little India. However, the relationship with the partner is a choice, mm-hmm. and whether you're in the relationship or not, I choose to love you, and you've only got your choices. And your beliefs. That's all you've got. People have all these other things attached to their life, but realistically your choices and your beliefs are all you've really got. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what do you believe and then what are your choices? And and that's the thing is no matter how hard life can get, what are you choosing today? Are you choosing 
for it to be better or are you choosing mm-hmm. for it to be worse? Because if you make no choice, that's still making a bloody choice, yep. isn't it? Yep, sure is. Yeah. And I think that one of the hardest things to navigate with Alex is like um, she, she kind of treats me like a partner slash husband and, it, and has those expectations of me, it feels like. But in actual fact, I'm just a father. Yeah. And those lines blur a fair bit into um, what I'm, you know, everything that I do for her, she needs, like we had a chat yesterday and it's like I, I'm, I'm doing this because I choose to, not because I'm obligated to. We're not, we're not together. Like I'm doing this because I want to. I want to be a part of your life. I want to support you. But like the way she treats me is like it's expected. It's, and I'm like, you know what? I'm, you just need to be nice to me. Just like let's just kind of figure this out and I want to be this person and I want to help you. But sometimes it just doesn't feel like there's any much appreciation there and I think that's been the hardest thing for me is just you know, giving everything and just sometimes feeling a little bit, you know. Undervalued. Undervalued, yeah. Well, my hope for you guys will be that that does change mm-hmm. and um, Alex will see what an incredible human you are. So, some advice around this for other people that are listening, whether they're in a relationship, long-term relationship, just having children, or whether they've gone down the same road that you have decided to co-parent. Yeah. I mean, incredibly brave to start a podcast and go, well, I don't know enough, so I'm going to do this because – I need to learn more mm-hmm. and people need to hear this. So what's some advice? What's like one really big nugget that you can give us? Wear a condom. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would uh, I would say Yeah, give us let's get a second piece of advice. <laughs> <laughs> a second nugget. Second nugget. I still strongly believe that everything happens for a reason. So in those times where you think things are the darkest and they're not going to get better, um, and it's tough. Like I felt like I was in the muck for for months and months and months, and I've I've never felt more lonely. And I've been in a relationship with well, you know, we were trying with Alex, but I just felt so lonely, so unhappy, so sad. You know, there was a lot of tears, and just I felt trapped in this um, experience that I had no control over. And I just think sometimes you've um, you've got to just Remember that it's it is all temporary. The good times, the bad times, it is all temporary, and this too shall pass. This too shall pass. But also, like, try not to get too caught up in the weeds because if you think everything happens for a reason, then there's something there's something happening here that you might not understand right now. But you know, maybe the universe has bigger plans for you, and I believe that if I hadn't slipped up that night. Um, my life would be nowhere near as fulfilled as it is today. And I think all of that pain that I went through is completely has completely been worth it. And there'll be something on the other side of that. And I think, you know, the struggle was real. <laughs> and look, it will continue to be challenging. And I think relationships yeah. in general are continually challenging. But as you said before, I think you've got to choose to um, – choose to work at it. You've got to choose that person that you want to do that with. Yeah. Did you have a great support network around you? Yes, I did. You've obviously got a, an incredible brother, Phil, yep. Yep. who's your twin brother, and so you'd be fairly close with that. Yep. I'm part of a um, business mentoring network, which I'm, I've been there for six years with a, a guy called Kerwin Ray. Yeah. And he's been through a similar journey, to be honest, um, recently. Uh, but there's people in that network that 
sometimes you need someone other than family because mm -hmm. they sometimes don't red team. I say red team, but they don't um, challenge you on your perspectives and they just agree with you and say it's going to be okay. Family. Family. And sometimes you also don't want to colour their perspective of, say, Alex. I wouldn't want to make her seem like a bad person to yeah. someone that's potentially going to be in their lives for a long time. So sometimes taking those those relationship problems with people in your family can just cause more problems. So having an external support network is really great. Even friends, even friends will tell you things to make you feel better and will most likely take your side on, on a lot of things. So um, I think it's really important to get external perspectives that will challenge um, even today on the podcast with you, you've challenged a few of the my perspectives, or you know, I, I think someone challenging those and, and like throughout my whole journey was like, you know, you're not a punching bag, you're a, you're a mountain, and just really challenging that mindset and that the stuff you're going on in your own internal dialogue because our minds can create mountains out of molehills and can go down rabbit holes and you can get so you believe this narrative of your own belief mm. based on your own biases and experiences mm. that sometimes you need someone to like say, hey, 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 what about this? And um, I think it's really important to get support from even counsellors, which is why we went down that path, is to get some external support that can unbiased call you out on your own shit if you are in fact, yeah. Yeah, so having a, a really good unbiased mm -hmm. network around you, a support base. Yeah. I do I do agree with that. A lot of friends, like we've just lost a very, very close friend of mine um, to bladder cancer and um, I understand and I, I heard someone say that his job here was done and that's why he's gone. I remember my father passing and hearing the different terms that people would put on, that make these quotes, make these statements to – because. They're, they're worried about us being hurt. Mm -hmm. That's why they do it. They, they love yep. us and they don't want us to be hurt. So, But it's not reality. Mm. And so having a support network like you've had around you has been really important. So that would be a thing that you would endorse, that people are going to go through a journey like this to get a good support network around you. Yeah, and two of our first guests on my podcast, one was um, a domestic violence expert, and she talks about men you know, really asking for help because a lot of the time we don't, and yep. it's really, really important um, not only to ask for help, but if you see one of your mates, you know, treating their wife, their kids, something in a bad way, there's something going on there, and it's it's and even for themselves to keep them safe, um, because she's an expert in domestic violence, she knows the inner workings of you know some of the most horrific things on the Gold Coast that have happened, and she's like, none of her mates asked. Asked, you know, stepped in and said, "Hey, mate, I've, I noticed he was a bit off, yeah. but they didn't do anything." And I think for having a, having good mates that actually will say, "Mate, are you okay?" Yeah, because I, I know you, you look like you're struggling. Um, one of the guys said to one of the domestic violence um, murders that happened, he's like, "Yeah, he was a bit off at the gym, and he was yelling at everyone, and he was he. You can tell he wasn't. He was his pendulum was swinging, yeah. and he goes, I." You know, why didn't you reach out? And like, he just goes, oh, you know. And I think a lot of the time we just don't have those conversations that need to be had and we don't call, you know, 
when we see something that's not right, we need to take action and support our mates. And I think men can be pretty shit at that. Yeah. Um, you know, healthy are the wounds of a friend. Mm. Healthy. Like if a, if a really good friend of mine said to me, mate, you're off the planet. And I ask quite a lot of the time when I'm, you know, there's opportunity knocking at our door. At the moment, a really good opportunity. So I've been asking some really important people in my world, am I nuts? Mm. And what, is this stupid? Am I, like, am I being egotistical? Is this bigger than I can? And I make sure that I guess I've learned that because I've actually had to go through my own suffering and go, I don't want to go through that suffering again. I, I don't want to be that mm. egotistical, that proud, that up myself, that I, I end up laying on the floor again and just sucking my thumb and in a fetal position or whatever it was that, mm. I, you know, that I suffered through. And a lot of suffering we choose. Yep. <laughs> we, we, we don't. Suffering can happen to us and it's good for our growth, but there's a lot of things that we do that put ourselves in a position that make us fucking suffer. Yeah, we are the creators of our own suffering. A lot of the time. Uh, yeah. 99% of uh, the time. Yeah, 100%. Right? I agree yeah, with that. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, there's there's suffering that, that like we're talking about within uh, kids in India, like that mm. is, is not put on them, but they make the best out of it anyway. So, But healthier the wounds of a friend. Mm. I'd rather someone tell me, you're acting like a right wanker. Pull your fucking head out of your ass right now. Then have someone then then have someone go yeah after it all happened yeah I could see you weren't quite right mm. it would not mean that they're friends with me yeah as I live by those two things healthier the wounds of a friend and iron sharpens iron mm-hmm. because for iron to sharp iron it means the iron's blunt mm-hmm. so you need to be rubbed up against the stone and you need those craters cut out of the iron to to make you better yeah and so healthier the wounds of a friend get a good support network. Mate, I've taken so much of your time. I've really appreciated this chat, and it's it went in different directions that I thought thought it would. But I'm I'm like that. I love mm-hmm. being curious about special humans like yourself. What advice would you give your ten year old self mm-hmm. now, looking back? Wear a condom. <laughs> we've got sorry. We've, got we've already got that tick. one. Ten <laughs> uh, year old self, I would say. When I was thinking about you today. So I'm gonna, just going to paint a framework. When I actually think about my guests, I ask myself what question, they, um, what age should that question go to? Some people it's been eight, some people it's been 14, but for some reason you were 10. I was 10. I would say don't worry so much. It'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And, to tr- and just to trust, trust that, almost, I don't, don't want to use the cliche trust the universe, but like just trust that it'll be okay. Like don't worry so much because I've struggled with anxiety a lot of my life and I feel like I'm in a good place now but I just worry about things you know jumping at shadows and you just I feel like I just I need to be more trusting that everything's going to be okay sounds like really good advice for any age Mm. yeah Mm. stop worrying about things Uh, I think it was Smith Wigglesworth who said I worried about a lot of things in my life and only a few of them happened. Yeah, well, yeah that is completely true. I think it's not something like 90% of the things we worry about never eventuate. Never eventuate, yeah. So I don't know what the actual stat is, but yeah. So just stop worrying about things that are out of your control. Yeah. That would be my biggest advice to myself. Thank you. You're welcome. I've loved this chat. Um, it got deep and I, I love where it goes. I, I'd love to talk to you more about all of that spiritual stuff. I think it's a pretty cool – it's not for everyone. And we can't endorse it for everyone. Mm. But um, I know that a lot of people doing breath work now at the moment, there's there's these, these camps where they're doing a four-day water fast and breath work and mm. it's taking them in this similar, similar space. Similar place, yeah. Um, 
And so it's a journey. It's a journey for us to discover those lost parts that we don't understand and, and well done. Well done for getting through the vicissitudes of navigating a co-parenting relationship with Alex and uh, well done on having beautiful India in your world. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. Mate, where can – if anyone wants advice, like where can they get to you? Um, you can probably – well, my Instagram handles the James Coulson, um, C-O-U-L-S-O-N, and the Accidental Fatherhood podcast is our podcast. We haven't launched our season two yet, but it's, it's in the making, so we've filmed the first episode. Um, and Embark Agency is our creative agency. If there's any um, brand or web um, development stuff, that's where you'll find me there. And uh, we'll put all that stuff in the show notes for everyone. Mm. And do, we'll give our, our friends at P3 a big shout-out too today. Um, I love the place over there. I love the people. Mm-hmm. I love the community they're creating and you guys are creating and what you're doing. So if you need to recover, and we all do, head to P3. Yeah, get in the ice bars. Get in the ice bars. Yeah, yeah good. It is amazing. Yeah. Hey, buddy, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, I would say keep shining that incredible light of yours. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me. You're welcome. That was the end of another episode. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to rate, review and subscribe as this will help me get my message out to more people. If you've heard anything today that has resonated with you, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Nath Cartledge. All the other ways to contact me will be in the show notes. I'd love to chat and hear your thoughts. Can't wait to Conflab next week.